Welcome to Life Together, a podcast for Gresham Bible Church, where we exist to glorify God in being disciples who make disciples of all people through the transforming power of the gospel. On this week's episode, Josh and I talk about books. We love books and why you should love books too. So we want to be a local church family who is for good books, encouraging one another to grow in our walk with Jesus through good reading and being good listeners. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about an upcoming book giveaway and what our hopes are from that and how God has used good books in our lives to grow us closer to Jesus. Hope you enjoy this episode. All right, Josh, on today's episode, we get to talk about something that you and I both love, and that's books. Yes. Right? So we have a book giveaway coming up. Uh, soon at the end of October. So you and I thought it'd be helpful to have an episode where we just talk about books, why they're important, which ones have shaped us, and preview what books we're going to be giving away this next Sunday. Yeah. yeah. We look forward to this, man. Yeah. This is great. This is the kind of stuff I get excited about. Awesome. I love so, it. Me too. Yeah. I was actually pulling up because uh, my wife makes fun of me because I love books and uh, I, I really enjoy reading. Um, even more so maybe the act of reading than just reading itself, if that makes any sense. Mm, so, okay. but I'll often have all these books that I haven't even read. And, uh, I was going to pull this up cause there was a, back when I was on social media, there was a guy named, uh, his name's Josh Carlos Josh. And he kind of does like satire account stuff. And he pulls the story of the woman at the well with Jesus. And, uh, he, he flips it into his problem with books and he says, um, uh, it's like him going to Jesus saying, Jesus, should I buy this new book? And Jesus says, show me the latest new books that you've read. And he goes, I have no new books that I've read. And Jesus <laughs> says, you are right in saying, I have no new books I've read for you have 26 new books and the ones you now own, you have not read. And I was like, that is totally, <laughs> that's totally me. It's just so true. Like, oh, I want to read that and you get it. And it's just, maybe you thumb through, but anyway, uh, I just had to share that. That's I was amazing. Like, that probably reveals both my love and uh, problem with books. Uh, so yeah. anyways, first step perfect. is admitting you have a problem. Oh, uh, that's yeah, great. That's so, right. First step. So that's I right. don't know the best way to ask this. Maybe this is too high level, but help us sink our teeth into this. Like why are books important? Why do they matter? Yeah, that's a pretty big question. And I don't know if I have the perfect answer for something mm-hmm. like that, but, um, I think the way that I think about what you're rank- bringing up right now is more so related to how we consume information currently. And I would say, I would answer that question in the modern sense that books are almost more important than ever because Mm -hmm. of um, uh, the ability that they have to cause us to have to digest bigger topics that are more layered and complex over a slower period of hours. And we have to really sit in it and think about it and wrestle with what the author is saying um, versus kind of our normal consumption now that's like maybe a short article. We, we, we struggle to even read entire articles. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of are in a culture where we read headlines really, or we read just, um, you know, posts. And that's like the, the, the diet of our reading is through just those short things. It's kind of like, um, like if we eat, uh, normally even just a few things like that. I mean, it's just not a great diet yeah. um, over a long period of time. So I'd say reading is really important in that it helps us to learn how to think, mm-hmm. how to wrestle with what people are saying, 
Um, it helps us if you're reading fiction to, to dream hmm. and to, um, uh, think about life and and so which I'm not a great fiction reader I don't know about you but um, people who read fiction tell me that so <laughs> so um, I've heard yeah yeah so I think it actually helps train us in how to deal with thoughts and mm-hmm. truth and wrestle with it and not just scan it for a few minutes or at most and then move on to something else yeah so I, what about you though why do you think oh, I think important? that's so important it's hard for me to answer this question objectively. I know we're all wired in different ways, but for me and my life and my walk with the Lord, God has used books in very formative discipleship ways. Like you get a hangout with Christians throughout church history when you read a book of someone. Mm. You get to learn from someone's experience, not be as captive to your current cultural moment. Oh. It takes me out of the day-to-day stresses. It lifts my eyes to big, glorious things, uh, moves my heart closer to God, yeah. uh, challenges me, rebukes me, identifies the blind spots in my lives. Like I, I love books. Uh, Carrie often uh, says, hey, why do we need these books? One of the main reasons she was excited for me coming on staff and having the office is that now you can move out some of your books out of our house into the office. So I tell her that books are tools, right, for our own sake and to give away to other people. But anyway, sounds like we have a similar tension uh, about our love of books. I keep asking to get a bookshelf in my house. My wife is resistant. Wouldn't that be awesome? She knows what'll happen. Oh, yeah. um, But no, actually, it's a really good thought, too, in that um, when you think about reading, we have like like books for since the printing press, right? Yeah. And books that were even printed from that were much older works. You get into like early church um, writers and things like that, like the patristics and people like Augustine, others. Um, yeah, it's so helpful actually to read old books mm-hmm. because one, I'm simultaneously always struck with, oh, people struggle and wrestle with the same things. And also I'm reading somebody who isn't captive to the moment and just reacting. Yep. Um, but it really, I think is... A helpful way for us to maybe even think about our own world that we live in. Yeah. So yeah, that's a really good thought. Yeah. No. And by no means, and what I what I'm about to say, like a definitive or even pastoral, it's probably more a me issue. But I think there's something engaging a book. It engages more of your senses mm-hmm. than just a screen. If it's something tangible, you're holding. Uh, you're feeling the pages, the sound as you flip mm. the page, uh, underlining certain things. This Sounds is where like you're advocating for paper Bibles too. I, I am. Okay, I'm very whimsical sorry. about that books. Is my, uh, so, yeah, <laughs> yes, I'm an evangelist for that. There's you a few. Are? There's a few guys in the church maybe who would even know that I've uh, elbowed them about it. So I like yeah. it. Anyway, so. yeah. Oh, that's great. So, so maybe let's kind of land this a little bit, and then we'll just talk about books that have shaped us, and would love to hear from Gresham Bible Church on books that people have enjoyed and benefited from. Yeah. So, if books are important, they matter. Like, what gets you excited about having a book giveaway at church? Uh, you want to talk us through that a little bit? Yeah, there's a couple, there's two reasons that come to mind, like why we're even doing this, which kind of then get me excited. But one is a practical reason. Mm-hmm. Um, Crossway, particularly, uh, which is a publisher I really uh, respect and trust. Um, they gave away um, to churches up to 150 free copies of Dane Ortland's, uh, you could almost say instant classic book, Gentle and Lowly, yeah. which I know we've all read and r- really were encouraged and convicted about and wrestled with. And 
Um, so we got a bunch of free copies from that. There's another book that they're giving away some free copies of. And then we have other books that have been in our office space for years that um, are leftovers from ministry things, um, but good brand new books. And we just wanted to go, hey, we have all these books, let's put them into our people's hands. And so yep. there's a practical reason for it. We have the books, let's give them away. And secondly, also we talked to Randy Alcorn at Eternal, you know, with Eternal Perspectives, and they're really generous to us as a church. And they gave us a bunch of free books to give away as well. So we have the books, right? Yep. Um, but secondly, I think, again, maybe this goes back to that initial question. I just think... Um, uh, not as like the end all solution, but I really think there needs to be a recovery of reading and learning how to read well said. and take people's words for what they're actually trying to say and charitably read people's words and go, what is this person trying to say? Mm. Um, Cause I'm just blown away how often uh, I'm observing people misreading uh, what people are actually trying to communicate mm. or, um, uh, and so I think reading actually helps work out those muscles a little bit um, because in a book, people are really developing thoughts um, throughout. Um, so that's that's one reason. Just I think we need a recovery of reading. I think uh, we need a recovery of how we take in information, that slowing down, that, yes. that meditating and, and kind of lingering through an area of scripture, or an area of Christian living that's essential for us. Um, I think just for overall discipleship, it's going to be really helpful in an instant society um, that will really help us, I think, more faithfully follow Christ and be formed as his disciples. And so, um, yeah, I'm excited, though, because there are a lot of books out there. Yeah. And as a pastor, we've talked about this a lot. I mean, there's there's a little bit of trepidation or concern when you can go into Barnes & Noble over at um, Clackamas Town Center and... I walk in and I always go up to the Christian book section just to see what are they're featuring. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'd say so many of the books in there, I'm like, well, that's not a great book or, yep. oh man, I, there's times where I want to literally walk up to strangers who are grabbing them and being like, Hey, don't, you know, like slap it out of their hands almost. And so, uh, so I just think there's a plethora of books out there. And so beyond just the fact that we have the books beyond the fact that I think there needs to be recovery of reading in our day and age. I think we want to put good books in people's hands because there's a lot of bad books out there. There's a lot of yes. unhelpful books out there. And if you're going to give yourself to actually sitting down and reading something, make it worth your time. Mm-hmm. Um, make it something that's a little bit more substantial and holistically all good. We talk about like the difference between eating the meat and spitting out the bones of a, you know, a chicken wing or yeah. eating a boneless chicken wing. And, uh, hopefully get some books in people's hands that you don't have to really yeah. worry about what you need to discern about it. So yeah, I'm so excited for this opportunity for us to equip our church with books that we have or have been given good books. And then just to think about the impact that could have if a certain number of Gresham Bible churches reading these good books, discussing it with people in their Bible studies, community groups, when you run into one another, what you're reading, there's just so much good that could come from it. I know for me, as a dad, something I'm becoming convicted about is my kids don't see me reading books enough. They see me on my phone probably too much. I'm reading some good stuff on my phone, but if I want my kids to be good readers and all these benefits that we've just articulated, they need to actually see me reading books. So I would, I'm excited for us as a church, uh, for young and old to get some good books in their hands and to actually see one another reading, I think is going to have a multiplying impact for sure. Yeah, hopefully that's what we actually 
do with the books. Exactly. Is, yeah, I think we want to avoid is we want people to that you know um, October thirty first Halloween or um, I probably heard it more as Reformation Sunday, um, but or Reformation Day. But uh, uh, you know the goal is not that people just go and grab a bunch of them and then go home and they sit on the shelf. You yeah, know exactly. we don't want to be the um, you're the, right in saying I have n- read no new books, but you know <laughs> I, have, I have four new ones. You know, so yeah, putting those into practice. Yeah, is good. that's awesome. So, so let's just we could talk for this for a long time. I'm really looking forward to this. But Josh, what are some books? that have shaped you, maybe give a little bit of color as to why they've shaped you. Uh, just, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. looking back and just, we'll just bounce back and forth sharing some of our favorite books and why. So you go first. What are yeah, some of your favorite is, books? Yeah I'll, yeah, I'll just share a few and then you can talk yeah. and I don't, cause I don't want to take over, but I, cause when we were, we thought about this, I kind of went through my, my memory and kind of my library a little bit and just um, I pulled out books that, in my mind, shaped me, uh, had a definitive mark or impact on my life at a different time. Hmm. So, like, the first one that came to my mind was when I first, my life was transformed by Christ. Um, I was introduced to Jim Elliot, and I remember um, reading, uh, I have it in front of me here, The Journals of Jim Elliot. Hmm. And uh, the reason I, it was more like the things that he would think about and write about that impacted me. I just saw this man uh, at college, you know, when I was in college is when I was reading it as well and seeing how he was counting the cost of his life and wanting to live for eternity. And I just caught that wow. vision. But I would say even more so his, his journals taught me how to journal. Hmm. And it, even to this day, I've impacted how I journal when I do devotionals because um, he would journal about what he's reading in his his Bible. And um, so it kind of gave me that discipline. So that really had an impact on me. Um, that same time in college, The Cost of Discipleship by Bonhoeffer, when that was put in my hands. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, everyone kind of, the first time you read that, you read that chapter on cheap grace and costly grace. And that's what we all kind of remember. And um, really, you, you, it really helps you think about um, what it cost Christ for me to even experience his grace. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to talk about grace, um, it's not just this cheap little easy believism, do what you want to do sort of way of living, you know, um, which I think most people can, when they think about God's grace, they can think of it that way. Um, yeah. And they get nervous about it when they try to read other parts of the Bible. Um, and then uh, the third one I'll say that just impacted me in college was actually a Bible study hmm. by my professor, um, Jeff Lewis. Um, he was a part of starting the Passion One Day conferences back oh, in the wow. day. But he wrote a Bible study. I've taken a lot of people through it called God's Heart for the Nations. And in it, he talks about how, um, you know, kind of that chief in a man is to glorify God and how God is out to glorify himself in this world. Um, but it helps you capture that vision of that, and it mm-hmm. really moves you towards that mission and desire to go. And so it just really had a huge impact on me, God's heart for the nation. So those are the books that impacted me in college. But wow. yeah. Isn't that so helpful just to reflect on and think about those books and yeah. different times? Yeah. So we'll just go back and forth. So for yeah. me, uh, timeline as well, in college, uh, John Piper's books became very formative in my life. So specifically Mm. Desiring God and Pleasures of God, my Mm. two favorite books of his. Uh, There's this idea that I believe John Piper um, has been an advocate of that uh, John Piper says, uh, books don't change people, sentences do. 
I'm not sure as being either or. I think it's an and both, right? Books can yeah. and do change people. So can sentences. But his sentence, uh, the idea you just articulated that God is most satisfied in us or most most glorified uh, when we are most satisfied in him. Mm. I just butchered the sentence I thought I knew. Uh, it was <laughs> that very, sentence really impacted it, it, like, what, what did you just say? <laughs> well, so pleasures of God, desiring God to uh, very important books. I still love pulling off of my shelf the original copies I first read of that and just looking even in the margins and the notes, Pleasures of God, the footnotes are its own amazing book. Hmm. So many of them. So anyway, love visiting that. Uh, thankful that God has used that in my life in multi multitude of ways. That's um, cool you say that because I have The Pleasures of God and yeah. that's one of those books that I've read like a fourth of and oh, dude. not the rest. So oh, let's read it together. It you honestly, have, it's I my favorite Piper books, book, right? You so have many, keep books, that many books. <laughs> and then one other one that just keeps coming to mind. I want to reread it again. It's called Severe Mercy. It's basically hmm. a compilation of letters that C.S. Lewis wrote to one of his students uh, who um, was in love and they got married and then his wife ends up dying of cancer. Hmm. And it's C.S. Lewis basically counseling him during his grief and his loss and it is an amazingly beautiful sad poignant the title just gives it away a severe Yo. mercy awesome book um so uh, i remember reading that when carrie and i were first married and that just kind of really impressed on my heart hmm. how good god is how sovereign he is uh, there's such a thing as a severe mercy and just reading that was very uh yeah. impactful for me so it yeah, sounds like that would books. even prepare you for any types of yeah before even maybe you went through any hard suffering yep maybe yep uh, no for sure kind of teeing you up yep. to be prepared for that so yeah, exactly yeah i think i was i was thinking too um because desiring god's definitely on my list when mm. i read that it just really impacted me um you know, I was one of those guys though in college who got a hold of the seashell message, you know, from one day. And so I was like, yes. who is this John Piper guy? And I've never heard about somebody talk about and preach God this way. And so Desiring God was put in my hands. Um, but the two other books um, that really impacted me early on in college was J.I. Packer's Knowing God. Hmm. Um, just gave me a good foundation for even considering who God is. But I would say the book that kind of wrecked me the most was R.C. Sproul's The Holiness of God. Oh, yeah. I remember, I can still remember where I was when I read that book. And so I always think back, like, if I can remember where I was when I read this book, um, uh, then that probably had a huge impact on me. Oh, that's awesome. And just gave me this, like, just exploded my vision for who God is. I think it kind of just revealed how, how little I thought of God or mm. um, maybe how cheaply I thought of God or... Um, it just kind of really put on display in a way that I think only a few people can, people like R.C. Sproul, can help paint a picture of who God is in a way that you can actually digest it a little bit. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that for me, that's a mark of a good book when I kind of worship my way through it. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's been a, quite a few books like that over the years, but The Holiness of God is definitely one. And, th and that kind of probably encapsulates that whole first initial season of my life. Hmm for books that impacted me. So. Yeah. Isn't it cool to look back and think of the timeline of your life and when you read something, mm. we never fully see what God's doing, but looking back, you can see why that was important, why that yeah. impacted you at that point in time. That, that's yeah. so cool. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What What's interesting too is I think even in my life as, you know, the years progressed, you know, there, there began to be a lot more conversation around what it means to be gospel centered. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I'm, people were talking about that forever. I mean, 
honestly, there was just more of that recovery of it or language given to it. And I wasn't really seeking that out, but I remember in conjunction probably with listening to sermons by Tim Keller and just being like, I've never heard somebody preach about Christ in this way every time, you know, and how that influenced me early on when I was maybe in seminary or right out of seminary. But there was a book I read, uh, you know, 11 years ago now, 10 years ago now. And I, I remember, I, again, where I was when I read wow, it, I was in yeah. Peru. And um, it's, it's, it's a really low level, not to dog it, but it's just a really accessible book. It's called Gospel. Uh, great That's a title. good title. Yeah, yeah. by J.D. Greer. And I, I'll never forget just uh, the subtitle is Recovering the Power That Made Christianity Revolutionary. Mm. And I'll never forget reading this book because uh, I almost at times was like crying my way through it. It was just so simple, but it really wrecked me in thinking through um, how I have a bad, a false view of God in different ways mm. that I still... I think we all are wired a bit legalistically to, uh, cause he, cause he even has this sort of, um, uh, introductory chapter where he talks about walking into a church service on a Sunday and, um, uh, I'm trying to find it here, but when he goes into a church service on a Sunday, can you flip the pages by your mic so we can hear that the physical book? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Found it. He just, can I read it? Please. Yeah. He goes, how does God feel about you right now? And how do you determine that? Do you base your answer on what kind of week you've had, how consistent your quiet times have been, whether you've been nice to your children, how many qualifications like these drove my response? If I'd had a good week, a real Christian week, I felt close to God. When Sunday came around, I would feel like lifting my head and hands in worship, almost as if to say, God, here I am. I know you're excited about seeing me this week. If I'd had a stellar week, I loved being in God's presence and was sure God was pretty stoked about having me there too. But the opposite was also true. If I hadn't done a good job at being a real Christian, I felt pretty distant from God. If I'd fallen to some temptations, being a jerk to my wife, dodged some easy opportunities to share Christ, was stingy with my money, forgotten to recycle, kicked the dog, etc. Well, on those weeks, I felt like God wanted nothing to do with me. When I came to church, I had no desire to lift up my soul to God. I was pretty sure he didn't want to see me either. I could feel his displeasure, his lack of approval. That's because I didn't really understand the gospel, or at least I hadn't forgotten, or at least I had forgotten it. And that's kind of how the book begins. And I, I'll never remember wow. reading those words and being like, oh, you're, you're literally just putting into um, words my um, weekly struggle, daily mm-hmm. struggle. And so um, that's not what made the book great. But it's just a book that can kind of like put its finger on something and you're like, yeah, that's me. And then he proceeds to walk through um, basically not only what the gospel is, but how it's supposed to be affecting our lives. Mm -hmm. And at the end, he has this prayer that I've used so much. I've um, used it in other people's lives as well. And uh, the prayer says this. um, So I pray this in my own life a lot. In Christ, there is nothing I can do that would make you love me more. And there's nothing I have done that makes you love me less. Your presence and approval are all I need for everlasting joy. As you have been to me, so I will be to others. As I pray, I'll measure your compassion by the cross and your power by the resurrection. Wow. Super prayer, super simple. Um, but that those words have grounded me so many days in my life. Mm. Um, and so, again, that's the mark of an impactful book in my life is that 
words like that had happened. Yeah. Or I read those words and they just spoke to me. So that's so cool. I loved when we were talking before the podcast um, and you got excited, a glimmer in your eye, like, let me go to my shelf and pull off books I love <laughs> off my shelf so that you can yeah. tell God's used them in your yeah. life. Yeah. yeah. We could talk about books for so long. Uh, I just have to share two more briefly and then, then we'll move along. But uh, Tim Keller's book, Every Good Endeavor, it's basically an accessible discussion around the theology of vocation. Hmm. What is work? Uh, the Christian kind of doctrine of theology of work man, God has used that book in my life. I've read it, I don't know, five or six times. I've led discussions on it. I would recommend it to non-Christian coworkers uh, in my former days. Uh, if someone has not read Every Good Endeavor, um, do it, uh, let me know, and I would love to talk about it with you. Uh, an awesome book, uh, important to recover what the Christian view of work is, that work was created good, Genesis 1, the fall impacts work, but um, work is not sin. Hmm. So anyway, awesome That's book. That's great. I mean, especially since you, having been in the... Oh, yeah. Would you, do you call it the secular workforce or something? I don't Maybe know. the machine. I don't the know. machine. Okay, uh, being in the <laughs> no, machine. Yeah, of, yeah. Uh, whatever. But I mean, yeah, you. That's what's. I think that's what uh, makes you such an effective pastor mm, in areas that I can't be. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've. I mean, my last secular job was Starbucks. You know, so yeah. in seminary, and so. Um, but you have all this experience where you've had mm-hmm. to wrestle more with that. Um, uh, marriage and kids and um, full-time job outside of the church while trying to minister in the church. So uh, yeah, that's yeah. really helpful to hear that that book really helps oh, you in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome book. Yeah. And then like you, I wanted to read a little bit from a book that uh, it, it is a book, but it's more a sermon or message by C.S. Lewis, by Clive Staples himself. <laughs> when I am having a hard day or month, it's on repeat in my soul. Uh, the weight of glory I'm not going to distill it all in just a few sentences, but I I can just read a few briefly. So on the version uh, I have, um, it's on page 43 and 44. Um, C.S. Lewis writes this. We cannot mingle with the splendors we see, but all the leaves of the New Testament are wrestling with the rumor that it will not always be so. So that sentence is directing my gaze towards God, new heavens, new earth. And then he continues... What would it be to taste at the fountainhead that's that stream of which even these lower reaches prove so intoxicating? Yet that, I believe, is what lies before us. The whole man is to drink joy from the fountain of joy. So that is an amazing truth mm. in a few sentences in a book that gets my eyes off myself focuses my heart, my affections, my gaze on God and what really matters. So I think mm. books matter. They Absolutely. shape us. They help us. So Totally. Yeah. That's really powerful, man. No, that's, and I, I could see why he calls himself CS, not Clive Staples <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Look, uh, I, I'm not going to go through all these, um, that I have, but, um, just a few like tip of the hats to, I mean, Stotts, the cross of Christ, mm if you want a more, uh, a deeper understanding of the cross and what it, what Christ has done and why it matters, why it's often even the symbol of Christianity. I haven't read that. I need to read oh, that man, book. It's a classic, okay. um, uh, Colin Marshall and Tony Payne's book, the trellis and the vine, which we'll have a few of these to give away. Mm-hmm. I mean, that book really spoke to me when I was starting to plant a church. Um, I was like, yes, this is totally speaking my language and felt very empowering. Uh, Whitmer guy named, um, 
uh, first name is Timothy Whitmer. He wrote a book, The Shepherd Leader at Home. That's really impacted me Mm -hmm. Um, as a husband and father. um, He has like three big categories in there about um, knowing your wife and kids. Um, So it's under knowing, feeding, and protecting. Hmm. Um, It's super helpful. Um, Michael Reeves, Delighting in the Trinity, was one of the books I worshiped my way through. Um, But the last two that I actually wanted to highlight, if that's all right, is um, Ed Welch's book, When People Are Big and God is Small. Uh, One of my deepest heart idols and struggles has been the longing for approval. Hmm. Um, I would say for years, you know, uh, if if I knew someone was like, oh, I hate Josh, I can't stand him, that would have just crushed me. Hmm. And uh, I was like, yeah, so how do I wrestle with that? Like, why do I struggle so much with wondering people think about me or wanting people to like me, that kind of thing? And um, uh, man, it, what a liberating book. And it shows you that that sort of, lack of a word, category of struggle is a lot more complex than you think. There's hmm. a lot of different reasons and how we all struggle with fear of man and it really helps lead you in a liberating sort of way. Um, yeah, so anyway, the last one though I wanted to bring up, because I thought, it, I read it most recently, in the last couple of years, when I was struggling to, with leaving Corvallis. Hmm. And I thought I would recommend it because it's, um, I think really speaks clearly into our day. Um, and it's an old Puritan paperback by Jeremiah Burroughs called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. Hmm. Um, do you mind if I? Oh, uh, please. A little do. bit. Uh, super good. Um, uh, so he kind of like paints this picture in it of contentment, and he he equates it to this. He says to be content, and our desire to be content by external circumstances is what we usually desire to be content with. Mm-hmm. He talks about how in Christianity we have a contentment from within, mm-hmm. and he says to be content as a result of some external thing is like warming a man's clothes by the fire. But to be content through an inward disposition of the soul is like the warmth that a man's clothes have from the natural heat of the body. Just as always with you. Um, uh, this quote really had me too. Um, uh, when the soul says, oh, that I could do what pleases God when they come to suffer any cross. Oh, that what God does might please me. I labor to do what pleases God, and I labor that what God does shall please me. Here is a Christian indeed, who shall endeavor both these things. So being a Christian means to say, oh, I want to please God, but Mm -hmm. then everything that I encounter, uh, to be a Christian means that my prayer is to say, um, uh, oh, that what God does would please me. Mm -hmm. That in every situation I go, that's pleasing to me, God even if that means it's just because it's making me more like Christ. Yeah. That's contentment, uh, which uh, yeah. is wonderful. I have two more. No, I yes. tried hard to narrow this one down because it's so rich, but um, he talks about murmuring and discontentedness and how that reveals much corruption in the soul. Um, he says, if in your spirit, if every little trouble and affliction makes you discontented and makes you murmur and even causes your spirit within you, to rankle, um, that he's just talking about how that's a sign that there's something corrupted in your soul. Mm. Um, I read that cause I can notice that in my life, even lately, oh, it's showing yeah, my discontentment. Same. Um, and here's the last thing he, uh, that I'll say, but he's, cause he's a lot, he's a Puritan. So, um, he just says as a practical, how to attain contentment. 
if you would get a contented life, do not grasp too much of the world. Do not take in more of the business of the world than God calls you to do. So basically don't wow. try to take in more than God's calling you to take in in the world. So um, I could talk about books all day, but uh, I just, man, I, I, I need to read this book again. Mm. I would recommend it to everybody. I was just thinking that as you read. were reading that, like I need to read that. <laughs> I know, but the hard part is a book like that. I mean, it's just, you, you have to read it slowly. Mm-hmm. And again, that's what's hard is a lot of people, we struggle to read books like that because they're not written in, uh, for a modern ear. Yeah, good point. But if you fight through it, it's it's very exposing and rewarding. Yeah. So. I think we need to have a recurring podcast episode, Mike and Josh on books, and I'll just give it a, an excuse to talk about books and read parts yeah. of our favorite books. That would be worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. How about, so we wanted to talk about books for the book giveaway. Uh, any closing thoughts or hopes, you know, for giving people good books? Just that they'd read them. Yeah. You know, and then if you read a good book, um, let me back up. Like I struggle reading fiction and I always tell my wife cause she's good at reading fiction. It's cause I don't have a category for it. Hmm. So if I go into fiction section, I just kind of don't, I'm like, what, it, what, it, what are these is worth my time? I don't know these authors. I don't know. Like I can read the back, but who knows? I, like a movie, at least I could see a trailer and I can go, I like that actor. They're in it. You know, that kind yeah. of thing. So I'd say if you're even new to trying to read good Christian books, um, read a book that's recommended to you. If you like it, um, think, notice who the publisher is and who's recommending it. Mm-hmm. And that's, and you kind of go from there. Right. And so like we're giving away books from Crossway. Crossway is a really good publisher. Yep. So read things from Crossway or, um, read things from, uh, uh, Banner Truth, right. They have a lot of old Puritan books or something mm-hmm. like that. So there's like good publishers and I usually stick and try to stick in those veins a little bit. Um, if you read a book and you really liked the author and really spoke with you, then like I said, just even seeing sometimes who endorses books and, and following those, um, those people who are endorsing it can be really helpful. Yeah. Um, you gotta be careful, but again, I think just trying to develop that understanding is, is going to be, is going to be key. And so in a way we hope that giving away some good books will help lead people to other pastures as well Yes. within that author's work or, um, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I'm looking forward to handing out good books. I hope Gresham Bible Church uh, is known for and will be known for as a church that is for good books. Uh, It's important for our souls and for us as a church family to be about this. So yeah. All right. Well, I hope that you will take some good books on Sunday and read them and then reach out to your fellow church members and talk about those good books together. And if you have any questions or thoughts or comments on the books that you're going to read, man, Josh and I would love to hear from you. And you can reach out to me at mike at greshambible.org. So thanks for joining us today. Have a great week.